0: well hello hello guys welcome to the show it's the elsa kurt show and i am elsa kurt great guest. We're going to be talking about some really important things and uh, an incredible, incredible story. Uh, we have Kyle Overmeyer on, and he's going to be sharing his story. So, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you being here.
1: Thank you very much, Elsa. It's, a, it's an honor and a pleasure, and I appreciate you inviting me.
0: Absolutely. So, Kyle, you were so, so gracious to share a little bit of your story with me. And uh, it is a jaw dropper for sure. No question about it. It's a jaw dropper. Um, But it's also one that is, I believe, incredibly frighteningly relatable to so many people, um, particularly in in the field of law enforcement and and really worldwide, because um, what happened to you is uh, we call it the slippery slope. Right. Right. And um, so let, let's go right into it. So so tell me about, let's start with your policing career, um, how you got on the job and that experience.
1: Um, I kind of started even like childhood, great childhood, both uh, parents involved in my life. They're still married after 50, almost 54 years. Um, speak to them every day. Um, you know, went to a Catholic private school, Athletic, off to college for two years. Uh, didn't know what I want to do after two years. My dad was um, a retired captain at the Sandusky County Sheriff's Office in Fremont, Ohio. Kind of said, "Hey, don't don't get into that. You know, don't get in that line of work." Um, but I didn't listen to him. After two years of college, I dropped out and I came back and I and I then went through the police academy. Um, from that point, uh, I worked during that time a couple odd jobs and then finally got. Um, a job with the Sandusky County Sheriff's Office, actually in the Corrections Division. Um, And from that point, um, I was promoted to road patrol. I ended up going back to college, obtaining an associate's degree in criminal justice. And then I wanted, I had other aspirations to leave. And I went and got a bachelor's degree in business administration. I'd had um, some federal agents talk to me and they were interested. They said, hey, do this. And this is how you get your foot in the door. Long story short, got heavily into drug interdiction, which is ironic, and um, that led me then to uh, the detective bureau. The sheriff prior to me got wind, I was leaving, I did a couple rounds uh, with the Secret Service, I was doing some interviewing, and he came to me and he said, hey, I don't want to lose you, Um, what if I make you detective? And I said, well, maybe, he goes, I'm going to promote you to sergeant just to keep you. So I went from there, moved up the ranks to the captain in the detective bureau, handled everything from homicides, armed robberies, but I still had that love for um, uh, drug investigations. Assigned, started working undercover with DEA for about three years. Um, I mean, bought up to 20, 20 kilos of cocaine, did some crazy stuff. And um, the sheriff, he always said, you know, someday you keep doing what you're doing, you'd be a you would be a good leader for this, uh, sheriff's office. And all of a sudden he passed away and I was only 34 years old. And, uh, ultimately at 34, uh, myself and I went up against my chief deputy of the time and they appointed me as the sheriff of Sandusky County.
0: And you were the, the youngest in the state, correct? Youngest elected sheriff in the state. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yes.
0: That's pretty Wow, yeah, that's pretty exceptional. I mean, the the career path that the now the course of that from the time that you joined to the time you were elected sheriff. How many years was that that
1: I started full-time in 1996. So okay. it, it it was it was pretty it was pretty quick.
0: Yeah, that's fast. You
1: know? Yeah. So uh it did happen fast and it was kind of shocking, but I I embraced it and I ran with it.
0: So amazing to have that kind of career in that short period of time. And it's a great testament to your love of the job, obviously, and your commitment to it. Uh, Then something happened. You were diagnosed with arthritis, correct? Correct.
1: Correct. I had broken both my ankles um, Mm -hmm. in my youth playing sports. So lo and behold, I went to a specialist and ended up getting prescribed 105 in a month. And uh, those 105 Vicodin not only took care of the physical pain, but started to numb the the mental pain. I had been involved with fatal shooting, you know, saw three children drowned, a multitude of so many things, and there were some struggles between my my ex wife and I at home. And it was the easy way out, and that's what numb the pain rather than the physical pain and it outweighed the the physical pain so things got out of control
0: yeah how how quickly did that happen or slowly did that happen
1: i would say after about you know they say you can be addicted within about 3 days to opiates wow and uh, yeah so i saw myself within probably a year you know really really, you know, gravitating towards needing them. I mean, and then I went to the full extent of multiple doctors, the doctor shopping, you know, making up lies and manipulating to get the prescriptions. And then we would have the take back boxes where they would throw away the old prescriptions. So I got crafty and they were being thrown away. So I, nobody would ever miss them. So I took those to, you know, feed my addiction as well. And, you know, Elsa, you know, thinking back and I mean, it was nothing for me to take 20, 20 pills a day, you know,
0: Wow, it was, it was, I'm so naive, Kyle, what is like the typical dosage in a day that you would take for something like that?
1: Well, you know, like, you know, Vicodin's, you know, they were, you know, say 7.5 milligrams, Mm. but you know, I was also getting Percocets too. Mm. And, you know, and so those, those are lower doses, but you're taking, you know, 30 to 40 milligrams a day, that's a lot. I mean, you know, you're really numb then. Oof, yeah. Know, that, that was that was my morning routine. I would always, you know, wake up. And the first thing I had my cabinet and right by my duty weapon, I had my stash of pills in because I knew, you know, my wife then or my children wouldn't find them because they wouldn't get around my gun. And that would be my first thing that I would pick up every morning to start my day. It was the only way I could get through. And it would continue throughout the day.
0: Wow. Now, and I think it's probably important to, to mention too, that this was 2008. Is that right? When, when this started?
1: Well, no, no, it actually, it was probably around when I actually started was probably, you know, probably 2013 is okay. when they diagnosed me. So there was some time lapse, you know, from when I became sheriff to then. And, uh, you know, yeah, cause 2016 is, when the walls came coming and caving in on me.
0: Oh, I bet. And at that time, did anyone close to you, your, your wife, your coworkers at, the, did they see, was there like a drastic change in your personality or anything like that? Or were you just maintaining, like, did you have the mask on? I did. I, I, you know,
1: and I talk about it sometimes, you know, inside, I'm dying inside but I'm smiling on the outside. Everybody thought I was one of the happiest guys. He had, you know, you know, I had everything under control, the, the all-American life, and it was a facade. It was, it was phony. And so I was good at what I did. And uh, yeah, I think I fooled everybody.
0: I feel like this is a, you know, a, a common story too, sadly, that, you know, it, being on the job that you guys are on in the first place, it's already natural to to wear the mask, to put on the facade, to to be, you know, the strong guy, the tough guy, the guy that can handle anything, the unflappable guy. So you're already wearing that mask. So it's it's it probably was just, you know, in a warped way, natural to continue to do that. Um, at what point did that facade start to drop?
1: Well, February 3rd, 2015 is when was a real turning point. Um, I went to go fill a prescription. I knew it was like on clockwork on the third of every month. And I went and uh, the pharmacist, she said, hey, Kyle, I want to talk to you aside. side. Here, I'm thinking something, criminal activity, illegal activities going on. And she wouldn't speak with me. She says, look, you're getting opiates from multiple doctors. And we can't give them to you. We're going to stop you. And I thought, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That is the turning point where I was embarrassed. I was scared. I was sick. And I knew I had to do something. And that was the day I went and flushed my last Vicodin down the toilet. Wow. And I went to cold turkey. And I got sick. And mm-hmm. I got sick. And I got real sick because I detoxed myself. I mean, I'm used to, you know, say 20 pills a day. And they're all gone.
0: Wow. You went I'm from not, twenty a day to nothing. You just like, wow.
1: Nothing. And, and, and how I did it was um my ex wife, she um she she was a school teacher, my kids would go to school. I can manipulate my schedule, put my uniform on like it was going, and then I pull my vehicle in and go lay down in in my in my home and sleep all of it off. So I figured it out like I'd figured out during my full blown addiction you know to to keep the mask on mm-hmm. and so i continue to do that and that was in 2015
0: okay wow that is so incredible um and and still so now so keep walking me through so you you detox yourself correct how long did that last was that a permanent detox for you or yes. did you Yes. Last? no
1: i've never oh. i've never I've never relapsed.
0: That's incredible. That Now that truly is incredible because that's one of the hardest things to, you know, to stay off of that, to stay clean because it is so incredibly highly addictive. Um, so, so what happened next after that, once you were clean?
1: Yeah. So I was getting ready for, to run for my third term as sheriff and I had an opponent and then things started to get dug up on me. Mm. They eventually, I, I won the primary and the rumblings were out there. There was rumors that, you know, there was a problem I had to address that with the media. and Of course, I was in denial. I lied said, nope, they're crazy. They're just trying to headhunt me. And yeah, I, went, I won the primary and then the general was coming and they opened a full-blown investigation on me. Wow. And they brought the attorney general's office in. And um, uh, I'm I was running for general election, and August twenty third, two thousand sixteen. I'm at the ribbon cutting of the Sandusky County Fair in uniform, and by that evening at six thirty seven o'clock, I'm in an orange jumpsuit with a forty two count indictment. Forty two
0: count indictment. Uh, I can't even imagine. Going from such extremes, from one to the other. I mean, literally within a, a day, within a matter of hours, you're doing a ribbon cutting, and then hours later, essentially, you're you're looking at a prison sentence. Um, what happened then? what What were you thinking? What were you going through at that time? Because you're, you know, it's almost insult on injury in a way because you're you're clean at this point. Like, yeah, you yeah, thought and I, you yeah. walked away from this and 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 got out scot free, so to speak, and here it is biting you, really.
1: Yeah, and what happened was, I was still so hard headed, my ego was big, and I was in denial, and I didn't want anybody to know my secret. So I bonded out. I got bonded out, and I continued to march in parades and ran for sheriff. Mm. And I still had the support. There were so many believers in me. And um, on November, well, um, I got a, during that time, I ended up getting a notice. My son's birthday was coming up, and I bought him a crossbow for his birthday. He considered that a dangerous weapon. I dropped my son off. His birthday was going to be November 7th. I dropped my son off November 3rd school and he's like dad are you gonna I go I got this I'll see you after school I went there they revoked it and locked me up and I that was it
0: wow
1: they put my bond so high I couldn't get out and that is where the turning point of me admitting and starting to talk about my addiction
0: and at that point you were still married at that point correct okay
1: Correct. Yeah. And I had a daughter. I have a daughter too, and a son too. Um, right at this point, my daughter's 21 and now my son is 18.
0: Wow. Wow. So they were, they were a part of this incredible journey. We'll call it, we'll call it a journey. Cause that's what it is. That's what it becomes yeah. a journey. Um, how did your, how did this all affect your relationships with, with your wife, with the kids? Um, did, did that, Fracture. I know. I know you said. it. I said ex-wife. So I, I know things fractured yeah. there. But um, walk us through, if you could, and would.
1: Okay. Um, yes. Yeah. So working with the attorneys, I ended up pleading to twelve counts. I was locked up until on December thirteenth. I did. I ended up pleading guilty on 12, uh, 12 felony counts. Um, during that time, also, I had a girlfriend. I was cheating on my wife and um they ended up finding out because they played my jail phone calls in the new, in the in the in the news media mm. and that's how it all got revealed while i'm locked up and my kids that's how my kids found out mm. um ultimately of course we end up getting a divorce um my ex-wife wonderful woman forgave me we get along great these days and I didn't get to see my kids because I was ended up sentenced for four years in prison.
0: So you served four years. I served served. all four. Wow. And
1: And they didn't want to see me in that capacity, but I talked to them every day, Mm -hmm. and I had to continue to work on that relationship. And it's amazing today.
0: That's uh, what a what a, a testament to to your ex wife and to her, her strength and of course all of you for navigating such an unbelievably unbelievably difficult situation because you know you have all of this going on and it's also on top of that it's being played out in public so your private life your personal life is fodder for. Uh, you know, almost tabloid-like for, you know, your community and your, and your town and state. Uh, that had to make things a, a thousand times worse, I would imagine.
1: And it never stopped. I mean, while I served my prison time, um, you can't have um, like two different vitamins in one bottle and I consolidate them. I ended up getting a ticket. And guess what? It ended up in the newspaper to make it look like I was smuggling pills in and they were vitamins that I bought off the commissary. They -hmm. continued on articles after articles throughout my four years, even up until I went and went to the halfway house as I was exiting prison. Mm -hmm. I mean, it never went away.
0: Yeah, I I can imagine that and the media is brutal. People, you know, people for some twisted reason uh love love dirt. They love dirt and grime and you know and I, this is why I love doing this because I I love uh, redemption stories. I love success stories. I love people changing their stories and and you know doing what you're doing, which is helping other people now. So let's if if you don't mind, let's kind of skip forward to right now because you, you took something um, you know truly devastating in so many ways, and you made a conscious choice to find good and create good from this. So so tell everyone what you are doing now.
1: Well, a little bit little bit backwards. When I did get released, I got released April 6, 2020. Um, I got out. Um, I was homeless for a little bit. Found myself uh, in a spare bedroom on an air mattress from an old friend. Um, and I was frying chicken back in my hometown. Believe it or not. A lot of people made memes over me on Facebook, made fun of me. Mm. I held in strong and from that point um, ended up working at a treatment center on midnights, the behavioral tech worked my way up. Um, Then at that point, November 22nd of 2020, met my wife. Now, six weeks later, we got married and she was living in the Columbus area and I was living up north. So I was going to commute for a while. Seven days later, um, the treatment facility has seen my story. And uh, offered me a um, position down at a treatment center down in Columbus, which worked out perfectly. And um, today, um, from that point, I work now for Dream Life Recovery and Outreach and Business Development to help others that are suffering as well to get into treatment. And uh, I love my job. Um, I love it more than being the sheriff, I have to say, Hmm. because you can actually see physically the beginning of someone's treatment to the end now, you know, and I'll help people get into treatment. And I still try to keep in touch with them and the family as well to know that they're doing well. So, and that's what I do now on top of, I travel, I tell my story as a motivational speaker with my, uh, the business that my wife helped me start is KO addiction.
0: I love that. Is that, you know, I always love boxing. So not only is, is that a play on both your initials and knockout? Yeah. It coincidental? And,
1: and I was a childhood boxer. Oh. So, and, and my wife came up with it one day while she was sat there and she's like, why don't you do And And it all, it all worked out. And yeah. And, and everybody as a kid, they all used to call me KO.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Very, very that cool. My,
1: that was my nickname.
0: Great initials. I love it. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so that is wonderful. And your wife, by the way, I have seen pictures of your wife. She's so beautiful. She sounds like such a wonderful woman and uh, a great partner for you in this chapter of your life, because you're really doing some pretty amazing things. So, uh, highly commendable for sure.
1: Yes. Yeah. She married me when I had nothing. So there's your answer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so I want to go back for just a moment and talk about the an aspect of this. And I've talked to other um, other law enforcement officers recovering from um, from opiate addiction, and for the same reasons and and i think this is one of our biggest problems that we have of you know of course i am being very specific about law enforcement because that's kind of the the lane we're in um and, and it certainly applies to other people as well in different walks of life but the quick to prescribe opiates for ailments and problems instead of um uh, training other therapies, other avenues. And, and I think this is one of our biggest problems that, you know, we put these medical band-aids on problems that really need something different. Um, would you agree with that? Do you think that that's one of our big problems? That's just my perspective. So is that something you would agree with and, and have seen as well?
1: Yeah. And I think so many, unfortunately, and I never, I never, I never blame the physicians because, you know, they gave them to me, but I was the one chasing them then. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them were so quick to utilize the opiates rather than looking at the alternatives. And I think you're correct, Elsa. There are so many other alternative options out there now that people need to really look at. And you know what? We're not going to have these problems anymore. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. I can't say anymore, but there'll be a decrease and a decline. And, and, and opioid uh, addiction and, and overdoses, which is really crazy right now with the fentanyl
0: it's, it's terrifying. It's, it's absolutely frightening what's going on these days. And, um, you know, thank goodness for people like you, Kyle, who are going out there and sharing being so generous. I I think this is such a act of grace that you are sharing your personal stories with people in order to help them. Um, You did mention that you are, you go around to different places. Um, Do you have events coming up um, that, that people can attend? or maybe watch online, where where can people find you?
1: Well, they they can find me, of course, on Facebook, on Kyle Overmeyer. You can always message me, um, reach out to me. I give my personal cell phone out all the time, 419-455-0793. Anybody struggling or a family member, I return every phone call and every message I think is very important. And I think in this uh, day and age, especially with a struggle of addiction, communication is the key to success.
0: I agree with you completely. That is so true. Um, And I think that's so cool that you give your personal number out. There's proof right there that you're the real deal, that you are are out there to help people. And I think that's amazing. Um, You and I talked a little bit offline and we're gonna talk more offline um, or off video, I guess I should say, yeah. uh, about the book that you should be writing that needs to be written because I, I think there's people that need to, uh, need to read the story. So we are going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about that. I think, I, I, I think, uh, that would be a pretty amazing thing.
1: I think it's a definite thing that must be done. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my wife talks about it every day. Awesome. So, Ha- happy, happy life, happy wife. That's but right. Writing, but it's you know, it's it's a crazy story, but it'll be a story that maybe if it saves one life, it's worth it's it's worth writing.
0: Absolutely. All right. So uh, you all heard that. And now I'm going to I'm going to pin Kyle down. I'm going to get him to agree to come back again when he has that book written and ready for release so that we can talk about the book and, and tell everybody where to buy that book. So that's your next appearance on the Elsa Kurt show, right?
1: <laughs> that's like a deal. A real I love deal it. Right awesome. I got to do it.
0: Yes, absolutely. Now you have witnesses that, that are going to be like, Hey, Kyle, you said you're going to do it. So we're going to hold you to it. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I'm glad you said that. That's good. Awesome. Good. All right, guys. Uh, this has been Kyle Overmeyer. He is so gracious to share his story with us. And, um, I, we all hope that that helps, even if it helps just one person, uh, that is wonderful. So thank you guys so much for watching the show today and we'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Hey family, if you're looking for the perfect gift for the reader in your life, why not check out one of my books? They're all available on Amazon and most major online book retailers as well as elsakurt.com.